Do you have the ideal mix of people and skill sets in your business? Is it your dream team? If not, my next guest, Susan Drum, tells how you can surgically hire and fire to build your ideal business team. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Susan Drum is a leadership coach and advisor for C-level executives and their teams, as well as growth stage entrepreneurs, and she has a fascinating background. Susan has spent over two decades teaching high-profile organizations and companies like Viacom, Cisco, L'Oreal, and KPMG how to harness the power of leadership to launch their teams towards multi-million dollar growth. With degrees from Harvard Law School, Carnegie Mellon University, and a master's in drama from the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, she combines her legal, strategy, and business backgrounds with her experience as an actress in theater and film to help you become a more inspirational leader who can harness the power of your team. She's a professional certified coach accredited by the International Coaching Federation and is also certified in team coaching, deploying team diagnostic assessments and 360 leadership assessments. And best of all, her leadership for entrepreneurs helps them accelerate and grow into multi-million dollar businesses. So I am delighted to have her here with us today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Susan. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you today, Hannah. Well, I'm really excited because hiring the right people is such an important leadership responsibility, especially for an early stage company moving past the family and friends phase of their development. What should companies be looking for in job candidates to make sure that they're the right fit for their company? Great question. Uh, here's what I see sometimes where it goes off the rails is that people hire who they like and the like hire isn't always the right hire. So one of the first things that you need to be looking for is what specifically do you need that person to do? And I use a tool called a scorecard that lists out exactly what are the tasks I need the person to do. And then in addition, I'm looking at what is the type of personality that will best suit me or what type of style do I need to be working with me. And I use this scorecard then to interview candidates and check in on some of the key things that I'm going to be looking for them to do and their general personality and behavior. And then I also use the same scorecard once they come on board to talk about what are the skills and, and duties and things that they need to be doing. And I use it again to check in three, four months into the hiring stage to see how well are they performing on that. So number one, I would say, is get yourself a scorecard. That sounds like a great system. But, you know, when it comes to the actual hiring process and somebody sitting across the desk from you, 
I find so many interviewers just aren't very good at asking the right questions. What's your favorite interview question for hiring? I like to ask about extremes and contrast them because you can learn so much about the environment that your candidate needs to be in to thrive and contribute to your business. So my, my, one of my favorite questions is, what's the worst job you ever had and why? And I listen intently for, was it about their manager that they worked for? Was it about the environment? Was it about the task? And then I get real curious about that. Um, so what aspect, you know, do you not like? Is, if it's the task or the type of work, is it repetitive? So now I need to know, well, is anything I'm asking you to do very repetitive? And I also look at what did you try to do to improve the situation? And I notice whether or not they take responsibility for trying to improve their circumstances in whatever situation they're in. So then I contrast that with what's the best job you've ever been in and why, what made it that way. And I listen for what are the values that they hold, what matters most to them, what gets them excited and engaged, and I see how well that, that matches up with what I'm offering in the position. Interesting. So what's your take on when the interviewer does most of the talking? Who should be doing more talking in the, in the interview? Oh, absolutely. The, the candidate should be talking. Um, I, there's, there's, you know, there's, I would say if you wanted to break it down into a percentage, it should be 70 to 80% candidate, 30 to 20% you. And the 30 to 20% you is sharing a little bit about what the role means and what you're looking for. Um, and getting them excited about potentially working for you because it works both ways, right? You're not only interviewing them, they're in a way interviewing you too. But in order to understand what it is that they want and how they might show up in your workplace, you need them mostly talking <laughs> and ask, answering your questions. What's your take on background checks? Who should be doing them? Oh, you know, this is a place where a lot of entrepreneurs skip and it's so easy to do. All you need to do is, you know, Google their name, check them out on Facebook, um, and if you do that, you're able to just, you know, potentially catch some red flags. If the person's working for you, they're representing your business just as much as you are. So you do want to look for, you know, maybe photos in compromising positions or bad-mouthing a prior boss or things like that. Very easy to do, at least an initial search on the web for what shows up when you Google this person's name. Well, should the interviewer be doing that or maybe a third party? Well, it all depends on your how extensive your process is. So I've worked with individuals where it's you know a solopreneur who's looking to hire a virtual assistant or maybe a project manager. Most likely they're going to do the background checks. Um, and it, it, it doesn't have to take that long. And what I mean by background checks is just checking them out online. If, it's, um, if you're a larger company, then you may want to actually hire an organization that will do the background check for you, which is then checking criminal records. So I think it sort of depends on your price point and the stage entrepreneur that you are. That's fair. I think as I've heard some people say that it's maybe best to have a third party do it simply because they can be an extra filter. Because if you go in there yourself, let's say you're on somebody's Facebook account or you, you see what's going on in their social media, you may learn more than you want. And depending on the type of information, if you ultimately don't hire that person, 
they might be able to make some kind of a claim about discrimination because of something that was out there, which is why some people favor using third parties. I don't know. Yes, I, I don't know that they could make a claim by you looking at what is out there in public record. They wouldn't know necessarily what you're looking for or what you saw. The more information you can have, the better. Um, so again, I think it's the stage entrepreneur. I, what I'm more concerned about with a uh, uh, kind of more established business owner is criminal record checks is where you want to use a third party. But you can easily go and do a lot of work yourself, too. So I wouldn't just completely abdicate it. And I wouldn't do it, well, if I can't afford a third party, um, then I'm just going to um, skip it altogether. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen entrepreneurs make in interviewing? Often, um, I, I think I alluded to this before, but, you know, you may reach out to a friend and ask, oh, you know, do you know a good business manager or a marketing coordinator that I could work with? And they take the first candidate that they get. <laughs> so um, I really encourage people to start with a pool of candidates, at least five, even eight is better, and doing a two-stage interview process where the first stage is to check in and find out if there's an initial fit, what skill set does the person have, um, how well do you communicate and engage with the other person. And you can do that by phone, but then narrowing it down to two to three candidates that you interview either by Skype if you can't meet them in person or, or in person. There's so much that you lose by not having the body uh, contact, you know, um, body language there in front of you that you wouldn't have if you were only phone-based. So finding some way to be able to see the person versus and in Skype and doing it in two stages, this allows you to really dive in in the second round and ask some of the deeper questions that you wouldn't otherwise know uh, in the first round. And, and then finally, I also see that... Um, Entrepreneurs skip the reference checking part, and it is so important. Uh, naturally, people are going to give you the best people that will be good references for them. But you can take control of this by asking for specific references based on what you've talked about so far. So in an interview, I like to walk through all of their job experiences and I might ask, you know, would it be possible for me to talk to your prior boss, you know, two jobs ago? How, what was your relationship like? Um, the worst they can say is no, but it's always good to, to kind of put it out there and ask for the references that you'd like to speak to based on your interview. And then once you actually do talk to the reference, I also like to ask them what advice they have for me in working with the person and would they hire that person again if they had the opportunity? Both of those questions give you a little bit of insight as to you know, what their assessment is of the work quality as a whole. Definitely sound advice, and I couldn't agree with you more about meeting someone face-to-face. -face. I mean, initial phone screening, whether it's Skype or just any other type of, of audio, is fine. But I know a friend of mine had a horrible experience just hiring somebody off of their uh, resume, which was just glowing. It was stellar. Now, this was for a, a lab position mm. at, at a university doing research. And the thing is, when the candidate arrived, turned out he had very poor personal hygiene, and it caused all kinds of problems in the lab. People didn't want to work with him. They want to be near him. 
apparently him and soap and water did not mix very well. Had they known that, they could have easily discovered that in a um, an interview. Yes, you learn all kind of things. You learn so much. I think what we we only pick up something like twenty twenty percent just auditorily. So there, you really want to see the full picture. Can they hold you know eye contact? Do how do they do they shift and fidget when you're talking to them? Each one of these are little clues that subconsciously we need to see to see if they're going to be a good fit to work with us. Absolutely, and represent the company depending on where the position is within the organization because sometimes their credentials may be wonderful, but some business etiquette, I mean, even how they eat at lunch. I know I've I've seen courses on business etiquette for how to properly eat, and it sounds like something we should know by the time we're five years old or certainly ten, <laughs> but it's amazing what uh, what people do, you know, and, and even when it comes to if you're having a interview lunch out, you know, don't do something like order French onion soup with all that cheese that just keeps coming and coming and coming. <laughs> awkward, awkward situation. Okay, so let's say we get through the whole interview process and people have successfully jumped that hurdle and they're on board and things are going okay, but then all of a sudden there's a little bump in the road. How do you recommend a business owner handle dealing a performance problem? Well, what I often see is that uh, entrepreneurs will what's the word I want to use, kind of go around it and maybe maybe pick it a little bit to say they have a problem with there's a number that's wrong or you should have used a capital letter here, let's say, if, I, if I'm uh, reviewing a document. But on the whole, they're not sitting down to say, hey, this is what the business needs and I'm not getting that from you and I want to talk about a plan to make sure that that happens. We don't give the kind of feedback that we actually think we need to give. And what I call that is like a global conversation, a global conversation of what does the business need and how does this person that you've hired contribute to that? And where are they meeting that need and where are they falling short of that need? That's a very different conversation than me just critiquing a, a, a piece of paper. So I encourage entrepreneurs to sit down and have the global conversation. I call it sometimes the tough conversation. But the tough conversation can be easy if you talk about it in terms of what the business needs, not your own personal needs, but think about the business as a third entity or almost a third person. What does it need and how can this person best meet that need? That makes it a lot easier to have that conversation. I love that idea of the global conversation, first of all, but being inclusive, but also helping people just recalibrate what their role is within the organization, how they're contributing to the larger whole, because we all want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves and be part of the team. So I think that's really great. But sometimes those little course corrections don't quite work out the way you want them to, and you reach a point as a supervisor or business owner, employer, where you need to part ways with a particular employee. What should you do if you're considering firing an employee? Well, I have this phrase I love to use, which is uh, firing with grace. And what that means is that you have, A, previously engaged in an honest dialogue about what's not working on a global level, so that when you do come to the firing discussion, it's not a shocker. And the grace part is that you give the person some sort of grace period. 
um, where you very clearly articulated what the need is, and I recommend a 30-day period to see if there's any performance changes during that time to see if the business is getting what it needs. This way, you don't end up dragging it on and on and on. You know, one of the um, questions I ask entrepreneurs uh, once they've grown their business to a, sig- a more significant size is, you know, what's the one thing you regret? And and often they say, more often than not, it was high, it was holding on to that poor performer too long. Now, holding on to them too long because they never actually sat down, had the tough conversation on a global level, and set a deadline to say, we're going to give you this grace period of 30 days to see if there's a change. That way you don't keep going on and on and on. And then once you have that conversation and after 30 days, if you don't see the improvement, then you shouldn't get, you know, shouldn't be a shocker to the other person either. And they've been put on notice. Which is helpful, but I think part of that conversation is going to be very important for the supervisor to clearly articulate the the specific action steps they want the employee to take, not be something vague like, you need to improve your attitude. That's such a non-starter. So prior to having that conversation, there's a couple of important things you can do. You know, first pinpoint what isn't working. Are they missing deadlines? Is it something about, you know, a a specific product? And then you want to document the issues. And that could be as simple as putting a spreadsheet with two columns, you know, date, issue. Often when I see people starting to document the issues, they realize maybe this isn't happening as frequently as I thought it was. You know, we can, we can sometimes think, oh, my God, this is happening every day. When I actually document the issue, it's happening once or twice a month. And then the question is, can I live with that? Um, documenting the issues also just supports because you're, they're going to be asking for specific instances where it wasn't, you know, some situation wasn't to your liking. Then you have that documented for yourself. Very simple, easy to do, but often a step that's overlooked. Um, And then you might also want to look at what's your role or contribution to the current situation. I also invite some personal reflection here. Um, Is there some training that you could provide that, you know, they may not be as well aware? Um, Have you communicated the priority of certain topics? Often we think we know what needs to be done, but they've got a whole bunch of other things we've already delivered, and I never really gave them indication of which one is more important. So part of it is examining your own communication and how you're delegating tasks to to make sure that they're getting all the information that they need. I like the idea of holding up a mirror because it is a two-way responsibility in a lot of ways, and uh, employees are not mind readers, so it's important to communicate. But I can't help but notice your legal training coming out here with the documentation, which is so important. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You know, it's it's part legal side, but even if you put that put you know, don't include that aspect. It's more helping you clarify so that when you do have that conversation, you've already put down specific instances and you've clarified it in your own mind by writing it down. It'll help you have that conversation so much easier. That's true because it also adds some objectivity, which when finger pointing starts, it it just gets so testy, which is what makes this so awkward and why so many people put it off. But in your experience, where do entrepreneurs get most stuck in building or leading their teams? I think it's there's a mindset shift. Um, when you started a business, 
that required a different set of skills than scaling or growing your business. Um, the, the, the thing to know that there is a totally different set of skills in hiring, inspiring, and leading a team, and it's your mastery of these skills that makes the difference in your business growth. So versus kind of winging it on a lot of these aspects, you know, is to actually, you know, get some training, get some help to make sure that you hire the right people in, to make sure you're delegating in the most effective way you can. All of these types of skills really are what's going to make the difference in your business success. Um, and, you know, if you – here's a little example for you. Um, there's some statistics that uh, – a poor performer, you'll spend an average of 20% more time managing them and or fixing the issues or, you know, maybe not delegating things that you should than you would otherwise. That's one day a week you'll lose by hiring a poor performer um, or a, somebody who's not a good fit for your business. The, the U.S. Department of Labor says 30%, the cost to the business owner is 30% of that person's salary and actually, I believe it's much higher for more senior positions. So you're, you're truly losing money if you don't get these skills right. And yet, how many times in the entrepreneurial world do we really talk about that and try to get training and help in that arena? Normally, it's let's talk about your pitch. Let's talk about your marketing. Let's talk about all of those pieces. But what I've seen in work with entrepreneurs is it's your ability to hire and lead a team is what makes the difference in your success. I couldn't agree with you more because that's the best way for you to leverage your time. You can't do it all. And at some point, people realize that. But let me ask you this. When it comes to entrepreneurship as a whole and this additional skill set, do you think it's valuable or necessary? That's probably the better word. Necessary for a would-be entrepreneur to have some work experience as opposed to quitting college after a freshman year and, you know, trying to be the next Mark Zuckerberg? Um, yes. I, I Look, you can be – there's a difference between being an entrepreneur and being an inventor. Um, you can quit and be an inventor and create something really powerful, but it would be so much easier in terms of leading – and building a team if you had some experience in working in the business world in a team setting. So having that experience firsthand, it will show you what not to do, what to do, all of those pieces that just sets you up for better success. So I guess I just want to make the distinction between being an inventor. You can invent something that's phenomenal, and then eventually what they'll do is they'll take that and bring in somebody who knows how to build and manage a team and scale the business. Because there's just so much more to running a successful business and especially scaling one. I mean, that, that is really the main purpose and mission of this show, Business Confidential Now, because it's all those little nooks and crannies that people tend to learn through the school of hard knocks. And if they have an expert such as yourself that can help show them the shortcuts, then it just improves their likelihood of success, and it's a shortcut to success. So I'm really grateful for these tips that you're giving and basically a blueprint for hiring and firing because sometimes you do have to pull some weeds in order to have that garden grow. Um, Susan, what projects are you currently working on? you have anything exciting in the pipeline? 
Oh, yes. We are kicking off our Dream Team Academy in April, which is a six-week coaching program to teach you and create a plan and a framework for hiring your top players, how to onboard, how to delegate, how to build your own dream team. And we're also going to look at personal leadership styles through an online assessment so you know the types of people you need to get on your team to complement you. Really, the reason I'm doing this is I've been doing this in the corporate setting, but I found a lot of the same things work not only for my own business, but they work for all the entrepreneurs I started to work with. And I want to see more entrepreneurs succeed in this arena that not too many people are really as focused on as I think is necessary in terms of their business growth. Well, so if you're interested true. in being part of the program, you go to susandrum.com slash dream team. And my last name has two M's, D-R-U-M-M. S-U-S-A-N-D-R-U-M-M dot com slash dream team. Well, that sounds terrific because we all want to have a dream team. It just makes your job easier. It's more fun. It's more creative and ultimately more successful. And everybody gets a benefit out of it. Your academy sounds like a great, great addition because I couldn't agree with you more about entrepreneurs and the challenges that they face. It's all the same issues that big companies do. They just don't have the deep pockets and it's just on a different scale, but it's the same issue. So I thank you for sharing that with us. That's really helpful and very valuable. Do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? Here's a quick thing. If, if you need help with time management and thinking about who you need to support you, which often happens, I've got just something free you can pick up. Uh, if you go to my homepage, you'll see in the very center, it's called Accelerate Growth, Five Steps to Achieve More by Doing Less. And because um, some entrepreneurs have come to me and say, I don't even know where to start. I know I need some, some support. I know I need to deal. I'm just overwhelmed with the number of tasks I need to do. So that's just an easy place to, to begin, the, begin the journey if you haven't quite dived into your own leadership skills yet. That's wonderful because I know that when you start something from scratch, it's your baby. It's hard to let go. Mm-hmm. And you know you're overwhelmed, but it's like, well, which part do I let go first? So it's nice to have a reference tool like that out there. So I encourage our listeners to go check that out. You can't be free, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, you know, this is great to have a chance to be on your podcast and, and talk to your listeners about what I just believe is such an important topic I I know the courage and hard work it takes to be an entrepreneur and the guts, and I hate to see people get stuck in in something that the corporations can uh, afford to hire specialists to come in to do. So that's why I decided to bring all this to entrepreneurs, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to talk to you. Well, wonderful. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to talk to you as well because I feel the same way. The large companies not only have deeper pockets and the departments and the specialties and can afford to bring consultants in, but their deep pockets also allow them to buy their way out when they have problems, which entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. not so much. The pockets aren't Mm -hmm. as deep, and so that makes them more vulnerable. They're more fragile until they have more of that foundation for sustainability that kind of brings that tipping point where they have more opportunity, financial opportunity for resilience to pick up the pieces again if they make a mistake. So getting it right up front is so, so critical. And hiring your people, that is... That's just the whole heart of it, because if you build your people, they'll build your business, and that's what you all want, more success. Yes, yes. Oh, you need that A player on your team, and it makes the world of difference for your success. It's huge. It's huge. 
Thanks so much for being on Business Confidential now, Susan. I am so grateful for the valuable tips you shared with us today and the resources you're making available. And I wish you all the best with your Dream Team Academy. That's really exciting. I hope it's a smashing success and that our listeners check it out. Fantastic. Well, look forward to having more conversations, and thanks so much for having me on board. Thank you. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Keltner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website again is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential Now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.